Anybody ought to be preach after that. <clears throat> I'm not sure I can. Friday afternoon we celebrated Brother Butch Begaman home. You must know I was a little ticked that he got to go home and I didn't. But I'm glad I'm still here. Glad I'm here this morning. Great job, Mark. Some people can play, but they have to have the music in front of them. Mark plays and he can't read music. And then some of us have to have a good radio if we want to play. That's not fun. Oh, okay. Takes you a little time. Oh, okay. So you're up on me in two counts. I can read English, but that's about it. <laughs> Amen. Y'all know my daughter's having a baby in August. Laura, raise your hand. Wave. <laughs> That's Ben and Austin's mom. And uh, Ed and my son. <clears throat> but, uh, and I don't know how y'all feel about grandchildren, but <laughs> I would have had them first if I'd known it was going to be this much fun. <laughs> it's way cool. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. I have a great deal to cover this morning and not very much time to cover it, so I will ask you to listen extremely fast. <clears throat> Please don't get behind. You'll miss something. And if you have difficulty staying awake when I preach, and I know some people do because... <clears throat> Well, Wash U sleep studies asked for several of my tapes. <laughs> Cures insomnia, apparently. If you have difficulty, then every time you hear something that you believe to be true, say, Amen. Amen. Okay? okay? And that will help keep you awake. It might help keep the guy in front of you awake, especially if you lean forward a little and say, Amen. <laughs> and uh, you found Genesis chapter three, verse one. Good. Back up to the last verse of chapter two, and let's stand together as we read the word of God. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Oh, sorry, I skipped a verse. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now the, beast was, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. 
And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, Yes, sir, and I'm extremely sorry. Please forgive me. Oh, nope. Sorry. That's what he should have said. What he said was, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread until thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, as we look at your word this morning, I ask your Holy Spirit to illuminate it for us. To teach us the truth of your word. And dear Lord, I ask you to apply it to our hearts and lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Before we started our study in the book of Genesis... These first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, which is the foundation for Christianity. It's the foundation for the Word of God. We, we looked at the Word of God itself. 
And I shared with you then that, that there are scores, literally scores, of new translations, new versions of Scripture. Perhaps the most famous is the New International Version. And then the New American Standard Version. And I discussed in that message what drives new translations. Why do we need new translations? And some people say, well, we need a new translation that's easier to understand. Okay, Which part of this chapter did anybody not understand? Seemed pretty clear to me. The King James Version of the Bible is written between a 4th grade and an 8th grade level. Okay? Pretty easy to stand. Majority of the words in it, some 80%, are one-syllable words. A very small number of them are two-syllable words, and there are a few three-syllable words. That's kind of interesting. I may not know how to pronounce them all, but I can at least read them. And it's so amazing that there are Bible dictionaries and concordances to help me know how to pronounce them and to learn what they mean in case there's a word I don't know what it means. But often, the Word of God gives us the meaning of the Word. Adam called his wife's name Eve. What's that mean? The mother of all living. Okay? So when people say, Brother do you believe there's life on any other planet? Not human life. If there are, they left earth and went there. And that didn't happen. Brother Casey, do you believe in aliens? Yes, I do. The government registers them every month. I mean every year in the month of January. All the, all the aliens have to go to the post office and register. Let's see. No, I'm talking about aliens from outer space. No, I don't believe in aliens from outer space. I believe there are demons that take on solid form at times. Sometimes we see them and we call them ghosts. Sometimes we see them and we say, oh, an alien. Okay? Nah, they're just fallen angels. Left their first estate. Facing an eternity in hell. And so they'd like to cause as much damage as they possibly can before the final judgment. The end of the millennial kingdom. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living, all living souls, all people, all humanoids. Okay? Now, I do know some people <clears throat> that you question whether they're really humanoids or not. Okay? But you say, well, how do you know if they are or not? Well, if they get elected to the to politics, to government positions, then yeah, they probably are. Uh, Non-humanoid. <coughs> Sorry, Ron. <laughs> I'll throw that in. Just kidding. Look at verse 25 of chapter 2. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. This is the verse that tells us what, the, what God's first dealing with man was based on. 
It was based on man's innocence. Man didn't know what was right, what was wrong. Okay? So he wasn't tempted to do wrong. He just, I mean, he just did his thing. He enjoyed the fruit. He enjoyed the animals. I, I honestly can't prove it. This, and the, well, $2.75 will get you a cup of coffee someplace. <laughs> but, but, but I honestly believe that Adam was able to communicate with the animals. And the animals were able to communicate with him. Why? Because they heard the serpent talk. Eve understood him. But they were there to enjoy all that God had prepared for them and, in, and to enjoy the presence of God walking and talking with them, fellowship with God. That's why God created us, for his pleasure, not ours. That's what the new heaven and the new earth is going to be about. Enjoying God and all that he's prepared for us. This little girl asked me if I believed there were dinosaurs in heaven. I said, I not only believe it, I'm planning on riding one. You say, why do you believe it? Because they were here on the earth. If God placed them here on the earth, then I believe they're in heaven. Why? What makes you think things like that? Well, the book of Hebrews says that the tabernacle that Moses built in the garden was a pattern, patterned after the tabernacle that exists in heaven. I suspect that everything here on the earth that God made is patterned after what he made in heaven. And we're going to be there someday. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as personal Savior put our faith and trust in Him. But this first dispensation is what theologians call it. This first dispensation is the dispensation of innocence. You find it in the life of small children. You know? How many of you ever know that your parents somewhere have an embarrassing picture of you laying on a rug or on a carpet or on a bed or something with no clothes on? Okay? They nearly always drag those out when you get engaged <laughs> to humiliate you. Okay? You say, Brother do you have one of those with Jamie? Well, I hope we do. Okay? <clears throat> I know we have one of Austin. Laura, you need it? Okay. I have one of my sister. She was cute back then. <laughs> and now she's lovely. Okay. What were y'all thinking? Parents were naked. They were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which God had made. And he said unto the woman, Hath, yea, hath God said, This is the call to the first Bible revision committee meeting. Okay? Say, what? Yeah. We know that the, all the uh, versions we have now and all the different translations we have now are based on one thing, money. Money. Why? Because you can't sell the King James Bible for a great deal of profit. It is in public domain. Okay? It's not copyrighted. Well, it's still copyrighted in England. 
<laughs> but it's the king's copyright. And after 400 some years, there are lots of copies out there. But the NIV is copyrighted. And the new King James Version is copyrighted. And the NASB is copyrighted. And the, the Holman English Study Bible or something like that, I don't remember what it's called, is copyrighted. And all the other versions are copyrighted. Why? So that the, they get royalties off of the translation. But when you get ready to make a new version, then you get scholars together, people who, who have a knowledge of the, of the ancient languages, and you get them together, and you have them take the version that you have and retranslate it. Okay? And in this particular situation, they use the dynamic uh, equivalency principle of translation. See, what's that mean? It means they didn't translate exactly what God said. They said what they thought God said. Let me see that. Let me show you. The servant was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Okay? And the answer to that question is no. That is not what God said. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall ye touch it, lest you die. Revisions in Scripture. They started revising it right off the bat. Eve said, God said, Don't eat it, lest you die. One tree. You can eat all the others. Don't eat this one tree, the fruit off of this one tree, because the day you eat it, you will surely die. And Eve said, God said, Don't eat it, don't even touch it. Whoa. Later on we find the scripture saying, don't add to the word of God. Don't mess with God's word. Don't make it say more than it says. And don't make it say less than it says. Because that's Satan's contribution to the revision committee. He says, God knows that the day you eat the fruit of that tree, you shall not surely die. So first thing he does is shed doubt on the word of God. And then... He gets Eve to add to the Word of God, and then he denies the Word of God, and she falls for it. God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. It's one of the fundamental doctrines of the Mormon church. You're now human. You can become gods. And who said this? The serpent. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Whoa, number one. It looks like it's going to taste good. Number two, it was pleasant to the eyes. Number three, it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. She's going to get smart out of this deal. Do you know most temptation comes to us in these three forms? It looks good. Very pleasant looking. Have you ever seen a, a beer commercial that wasn't pleasant looking? Yeah, 
Now, they don't say it'll make you wise. They say it'll make you popular. See? Because they show all these young people, young adults, successful young adults, drinking. See? They never show the end of the story. No camera crew for Anheuser-Busch has ever followed me around to the jails to see the guys in the drunk tank or out to the hospital, to the ER, where they've got a guy strapped down who looks like he's convulsing because he's coming out of his drunken state. Keep him on his side so when he throws up, he won't aspirate. All that vomit into his lungs and choke to death. See? And yet, people die. Excuse me, people drink because it'll make them popular. It'll make them witty. See? It'll make them fun to be around. So, where are all the friends when people are throwing up all over each other? Throwing up all over themselves. Laying in the gutter. Scripture says, book of Proverbs, which is Proverbs is uh, Solomon's letter to his son on how to prepare to be a king. And in Proverbs he says, wine is a mocker, strong drink, beer, the Old Testament, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Okay? If you're not wise, you are... Yeah. I heard several people say it under their breath. Yeah. Mom never did want us calling each other stupid. So I didn't drink. I haven't known to run to drink. Okay. I'm going to be stupid. I don't want to be something that snuck up on me, not something the Bible talks about. Well, the woman saw the food, that was the tree that was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took it. She ate it. And she gave it also to her husband with her. Why? Because nobody wants to get in trouble alone. Okay? I taught school long enough. I was in school long enough, <laughs> that uh, when somebody got in trouble in the playground, you always arranged it so that you could say, well, he did it too. He did it too. Well, well, she did it first. You know, I mean, you don't want to be out there all by yourself having to say, I, I messed up, I'm sorry. No, you want to share the blame. Well, She gave it to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. The age of innocence is over. Now they have to deal with conscience. They know what's right and what's wrong. The eyes of them both were, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And the very next verse, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God still wants to fellowship with man, even when we sin. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, 
We call the Lord Jesus our advocate who makes intercession for us. Okay? An advocate is an attorney. And attorneys say you never ask a question that you don't already know the answer to because you don't want to be surprised in court. No surprises. Then they get guys like me who, when they finish the testimony and say, you can step down, turns to the judge and says, uh, Your Honor, forgive me, but I swore to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the whole truth hadn't been told yet. And one time I did that, he said, Oh, well, go ahead. Tell me what you got to say. It wasn't a jury trial. It's just the judge was serving, and I laid it out for him. It helped change the uh, <clears throat> verdict, I believe. But when I get to heaven, I want a an advocate. An advocate. And our advocate asked questions of Adam, and he said, where art thou? God knew where he was. And Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Well, nobody had to tell him. He ate of the fruit that God said, don't eat. And Adam, who has an opportunity to experience God's mercy and to to come to God for grace, passes the buck and says, the woman you gave me. Now, you say, so he was blaming the woman. No, no. It wasn't just the woman. It was the woman God gave him. So, essentially, it's God's fault, right? Uh, That's what Adam thought. That's what he tried to get God to believe. The problem I have is that I used all my good excuses in third grade. Mrs. Kirby didn't fall for him then. I'm sure God's not going to go for it. But Adam could have asked for forgiveness. He did not. He just said, the woman you gave me. And God turned to Eve and she said, oh, no, it was the serpent that you made. The serpent, he, he beguiled me. He, he deceived me. And God said to the serpent, because you have done this thing, you're cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go. Thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. You say, why did he say upon thy belly shalt thou go? Well, because I think up to that point, serpents had legs. Could walk upright. At least hind legs. There seems to be some uh, evidence of it archaeologically. But you don't see them with legs now. They crawl on the ground. And God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. It's kind of interesting how the pattern goes on. Okay? First God said, 
don't eat of the fruit. And the woman, quite honestly, was deceived and she ate of the fruit. Okay? And then God said, from now on, you're going to be subservient to your husband. You're going to be submissive to him. Your desire will be to please him. Now, husband, understand that. Your wife's original desire was to please you. If that's not still the case, it's your fault. Thank you. Thank you. You men know it's true. You don't have to amen it. I know it's true. You know it's true. Why? Because the Bible doesn't tell women they have to love their husbands. But it does have to tell husbands, you love your wife. You love your wife. And we think saying it's good enough. Yeah. And we apply it to other areas. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll drop that check in the mail. Click. Yeah, you will. Sure you will. My favorite is when some guy calls from the government and says, Hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Okay. Click. Because yeah. what we say is not always what we do. Is it? No, it's not. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And in my generation, that resulted in the Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution of the United States for women to have equal rights. Okay? Yeah, I agree that women in the workplace should not be treated differently than men in the workplace. However, I don't believe in equal rights for women. I remember my mother talking with a young lady who was asking her, I think, to sign a petition for, for the Equal Rights Amendment in the state of Missouri, to have it passed in the state of Missouri. And she said, oh, honey, I can't do that. I'm not getting down off my pedestal to be equal with any man. Okay. Why did she feel that way? Because of the way my dad treated her. And that's what helped me to know how to treat my wife. I wish I'd paid closer attention so that in the early days of our marriage it would have been a lot happier. Okay? But she is the queen in my castle. Is your wife the queen in your castle? If she's not, then you're not the king. Because a good king needs a good queen. So I treat her like a queen. When she treats me like a king, I can say, yeah, I know. Unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hath eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 18, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, that's grain. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, 
till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. The scripture says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly, truly furnished to all good works. If all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, then for God to, to allow Adam to call his wife the mother of all living, what does that mean? It means she's the mother of all living. I heard a preacher say the other day, well, I believe that there were other people on the earth and, and God put Adam and Eve in the garden and then after Cain uh, killed his brother and had to leave, he found some, one of the other tribes of people that were living and I thought, okay, you just denied the Genesis chapter 3. Eve's the mother of all living. Verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. With this, I close. Where did he get the skins? Off the dead animals. But nothing had ever died until Eve ate the fruit and gave it to Adam. Why did the animals die? Because God sacrificed them to make clothes for Adam and Eve. And why did he sacrifice them? Because there had to be blood shed to cover their sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. And the death of these first animals, a lot of Bible scholars believe they were sheep, and I don't have any reason to doubt that. The death of these first animals was a picture of the fact that God was going to send His own Son to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. And 4,000 years later, Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and shed all of His blood so that you and I could be forgiven. So that you and I could again have fellowship with God. The very purpose for which He made us. Do you have sweet fellowship with God? Well, I don't know. I don't ever think about it. I can guarantee you he's thinking about it. He wants you to have fellowship with him. He wants you in his word so he can teach you about himself. He wants you reading the illustrations of how wonderful he is. When somebody dies... We, we get all sorrowful. But can you imagine living in continually aging, aching, sick bodies and not being able to die? Just getting worse and worse all the time? Until you're trapped in a body that can't move, can't eat, can't function, and you can't get out? Death is a gift from God. That's why he said, uh, we've got to get Adam and Eve out of the garden so that they don't eat the tree of life and live forever in this dying condition.
What do you mean dying condition? Well, the day they ate the fruit, their spirit died. Their spirit was gone. They still had a body and they still had a personality, body and soul. They did not have a spirit. It was dead. And we look at it and we think, well, they didn't die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see, when your spirit's gone, then you're, then you're seriously dead. Because you're not going to fellowship with God anymore. You're not going to be in his presence throughout all of eternity if you have no spirit. That's why when a person trusts Christ as personal Savior, the Spirit moves in, indwells them. And then you become alive. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You who were dead in trespasses and sin, hath he quickened, hath he made alive? How do you do that? Well, by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when Jesus died on the cross for you, Shed his blood, and you believe him. You believe that. And you come to him and ask him to forgive your sins and to save you. He will do it because he's obligated. He said he would. And God always keeps his word. And he'll put his spirit back in you. And you're alive. Let's bow our heads together as we stand quietly to our feet.